We are back. Bailey and Harper, episode 49, the 49th episode of this year installment of conversations that sometimes lead place, other times don't, and sometimes are profound and impactful. Sometimes we just don't make any sense. I don't know what's coming tonight. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> what are you laughing about? Because you're so true. That's a very true statement. It is true. It is true. Especially uh, after, after dark. After Dark meetings. After Dark, uh, we are it's, watching some NBA After Dark right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakers, Lakers Sixers. Sixers. Uh, the Lakers are, are coming to town tomorrow night. And LeBron, LaMelo, in primetime here in uptown Charlotte, North Carolina. LeBron's resting in his cave Yeah, tonight. no, that, that left knee discomfort tonight um, to me sounds like, hey, I'm gearing up to go into Michael's house, to MJ's <laughs> house, and uh, face his little point guard, LaMelo, and uh, – Put on a show. Try to put on a show. Yeah, that, that's what I expect. Now he I did, did tell everybody, "Hey, man, he has been carrying the organization since he was 18." That's true. He has. That was, um, that was a a bold statement that hit really hard at home and so true. I, I did see today that uh, there's a chance he might not play tomorrow night, but I'm not sure I buy it. I'm not. Sure, I, I just don't buy it. Like I, LeBron is resting tonight. And I think he's looking for a big night tomorrow in Charlotte. But we'll, we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, at the time of this recording, that is my feeling. But, hey, let, let's get our business in first. 49th episode, the best to ever do it. Wearing 49. This is a tough number. i got to be honest. 49. What'd you for, first of all, 49 is an ugly number it's a in football. Number. It's like it's Because the four is big and the nine is big. Yeah. All right? It's, not it's a the great same number. way. 49, 39, really tough situations. You've seen more successful 39s. That's just because 49 is like, bro, who wants to wear that? <laughs> Especially in football. That's how you, we, most of us feel. All right. But my 49 is, and it's probably not yours, huh? Tim Wakefield. Love it. Yes, dude. Absolutely. Uh, growing up, he was the first knuckleball guy that I ever saw. Like, this is all he did. It was like mind-blowing that – he struck out professionals throwing the ball like 50, 60 miles per hour, like this dead ball, and then he had a curve ball off of it, and eventually he started to add like a little bit of a breaking pitch too, so later on in his career. It was great watching this guy. I was a big fan of him. Also, I was a fan of the Red Sox too at the time because I was a fan of Manny Ramirez, so I cheered for Tim Wakefield as well. Shout out to another 49 left-handed pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Do it. Do Jamie it. Moyer. Jamie Moyer. Love that Jamie guy, Moyer, too. Baby. Throwing fastballs about mid-80s. He couldn't have broken a glass. <laughs> he couldn't have broken a window in a schoolhouse. He wasn't throwing <laughs> hard enough. Couldn't. Nope. Like, but it was perfect. It was junk. Bro, it was just junk. all day long. change-ups, two curves, yes. a slurve, a slider. I mean, he had everything, right? <laughs> yes. Just junk ball. Yeah, and, and it's he fast. Made it, work. it was. And so, shout-out to him, too. I was a big fan of his as well. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Pep. 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 Which one? Julius Peppers. Oh, in college. <laughs> North Carolina. Julius Peppers. That's a great call. Oh, sh okay. I like that. I'm not going to interrupt you, but yes, go. Well, special shout out to Ken Schrader, NASCAR fame, the 49 car, Schwanz. Uh, Ken Schrader's on the list. Chris, when you said lefty pitcher, I thought you might go Chris Sale, Boston Red Sox. Not bad. So where else not were bad. you going? Where else were you going? Um, well, since we're going college, my, my boy um, Rashad Johnson – University of Alabama, okay. two-time captain, okay. All-American there, uh, played for the Arizona Cardinals, what, eight years, nine years, whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, he was 49 and was good in uh, – that's my phone, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Was really good in uh, in Saban's early years, in his early eras. I think he had the three picks against LSU. That's how everybody loves him and remembers him. All right, there you go. So let's do this to start the show because we, we got to touch on it and other things too. We talked about Sean Payton earlier today on the radio. We'll come back to that. Do you think Tom Brady is done playing football? Because there are a whole lot of people right now that think Tom Brady's talking like a dude that, that has finished playing football. What do you think? Hey, look, man, I'll, I'll never make that decision for anybody. And unlike every other quarterback that we have this discussion about, he still can win games and ball. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to sit him and tell Tom he shouldn't or can't. That's the discussion that he needs to have with his own family, and whatever they want and decide to do, they're going to do it what's best for them. And, uh, and I understand that either way. But the dude was going to win the game. He's still in the playoffs right now if Tampa Bay doesn't blow the coverage and give up Cooper Cup. How you don't cover Cooper Cup running down the middle of the field? Got him with a safety. No Bro. offense. No offense. Oh. No offense. But, I mean, yeah, they, they got him one-on-one -on -one with the safety. And what do you think was going to happen with Cooper Cup? I don't know, but they didn't. There was no middle field player. It was bad. Why they blitz him? I don't know, man, because that's what 
That's what Rhodes is, man. Not Rhodes. What's the DC's Bowles? name? Bowles. Bowles. Yep. Sorry. Todd Bowles, is, that's what he does. So it's he's always aggressive. And teams, you. so if you're an aggressive team in two minutes, you still got to be aggressive, right? You have to be aggressive all the time. I played on aggressive defenses. In our two-minute defenses where everybody else is playing off and that, no, we we are blitzing. No. We are aggressive <laughs> all the time. No. We have to be able to execute under pressure in these moments. The best thing that ever happened to my team when we were in New Orleans, we had Drew Brees to practice against all the time. So imagine that, right? We used to throw out crazy things all the time. And if Drew can figure it out or if he's even a little bit confused, then we know we got something good. So we did a lot of good on good all the time on Thursdays. And, like, that is what you need to do. You need to go good on good in these two-minute, these quick situations, you know, things like that. That That's how you get better at it, and that's what they didn't He execute. can still win games. Bottom line is Tom Brady can still win. He's playing yes. at a high enough level to keep winning games. But when you start talking about your wife and your kids and what they need, you know, and, and we can't play forever, we don't live forever, so on and so forth, sound like when you start thinking about it and talking about it, you're pretty much there. So, I, you know, maybe he plays one more season. Maybe this is just I mean, all dude, a setup for some big video he drops with him and Gronk on TikTok and, hey, one more run. But he said the other day he doesn't really want a victory lap like Kobe. Like well, he really, don't need it. No, he doesn't need it. He's he small. did that last year. Yeah, he's good. He, he his, did that last year. It was his thing last year. <laughs> he did it last year. Now's not a bad time to walk away, right? Sean Payton walked away when he was pretty high. Do you? Oh, so, but there's Sean's coming back. Now it's different. He's a coach. <laughs> Sean's coming back though. Does he stay out any longer than a year? Sean? Yeah. I don't know if he'll be able to stay out past year because I I just know him. They're all addicted to the grind. He ain't going to – I mean, like, he loves Skyline, But, like, how much time are you going to spend? Maybe two years. I think two years. Two years. Well, see, that's the thing. He's under contract through 24. And I was listening to him. He did an interview this morning on the Dan Patrick Show. And uh, DP, best interviewer ever, was telling Sean, he was like, if you do this, I tell guys all the time, you're not going to be great at it in a year. you got to give it at least two years to do this, to get good at it. And Sean's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be good at. I want some expert to tell me what I'm going to be good at. And you know, they're talking about how to be a color analyst and how to do the studio stuff. And DP's like, yeah, I'm just telling you, you you're never going to be great at it in a year. You know, you got to give it at least two years. And it's he's, true. Very true statement. And so it actually, the more I think about it, people are saying, well, hey, Mike McCarthy, one more year. You know, if they fire him, hey, Sean will be the guy. Maybe, or maybe because he's under contract through 2024, and if another team wants him next offseason, they're going to have to give up some draft picks for him, right? you got to trade for Sean Payton. Right? Oh, really? Well, yeah. I, mean, I didn't uh, know that. Did you see the story? He was almost traded to the Cowboys in 2019. Were it oh, not yeah. for Anthony Davis and his uh, – Hey, man, I know a lot more about that stuff than – I know you do. Than ever. That, I know, I know everybody do. in that organization very well. And now that I'm on the other side of it, you know, we I, I talk to them about other things and business things. So – and, you know, I don't ever talk about their stuff because that's my fam. But, yes, that is possibility. That was close. Well, it was it was interest on either side, okay? And Mickey and, and those guys, I guess, if it's a conversation, then it has to be. Oh, I thought you were waving me on. Yeah. Then, I mean, you, you always listen to anything, right? Like, that's what everybody does. But it was never past anything like that. It was not even – it was not that close. It was that Jerry wanted it, probably. You know what I mean? That's what that is. Oh, yeah, for And sure. Jerry's always – Well, I mean – You know, even a lot of Cowboys fans felt that way when Sean left to come to, to New Orleans he, and take the job that he was the next in line after Bill Parcells. So he never – they never had the marriage that they thought. He's always had his eye on Sean like that, right? I mean, that, so that's – And Sean has a great <laughs> record versus the Cowboys. That, they, well, they're the betting favorite. Dallas is the betting favorite to land him. And so they should be, and we'll, we'll see what happens then. But – um, the whole division's changing. Sean Payton's leaving. Kevin James, I don't know if you've talked to Sean lately. I, I wonder what was his reaction. Because Sean, Sean, when he was doing his exit interview, did you see he did a 90-minute exit press conference? I watched day? it. You watched the whole thing? Not the whole thing. I didn't watch him do questions. That's, he was up there stuff. forever. I know, man. He took all questions. And he he like, said he wasn't going anywhere. Well, and he talked about, like, the why. And he was like, yeah, I mean, just, you know, you're tired and this and that. And, like, I gained a bunch of weight. <laughs> he has. Yeah, well, and I was joking today on the air. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, something we can all relate to, right? You work all the time and you start to neglect. But well, you can't. You stay working out. But like most people, it's like, hey, you, you work all the time. You get stressed. You neglect it. You look up. You're like, damn, I put on 30 pounds. How would I do that? <laughs> honestly, been there, right? So I'm, I'm yes. thinking, yeah, no, I get it. But like what's, what's it like? Because in Sean's head, like a lot of us, he's like still the strapping 28-year-old Sean Payton, right? Because so when you – and he talks about that, you know, when to the team and stuff all the time is that – when I see, like, when I see Sean, 
Sean really hasn't aged, right? Right. Like, like we don't see age when we look at each other. You see each other all the time. When you see the age is your kids. Yeah. So that's how in a personal mode, I'm always like, well, I've seen Sean's kids grow up. Like Connor's like grown, got like a little, you know, some scruff on his face and shit, yeah. you know? So, and when I first met him, he was like a little kid. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. seeing people's kids grow up, that's when you really see the age. Oh, yeah. No, but and, it's and things funny. like that. So when they came, when But they Sean's came Sean. looking at everybody that's been interviewing him the last 16 years, and they all look the same, majority of them. No, it's I know, I know. It's the same. It's like, but it's like if you, when somebody came to Sean and was like, hey, it's going to be Kevin James playing you. Like not, not George Clooney, not, not Leo DiCaprio, not Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Hey, the guy from King of Queens, that's who we got to play you, Kevin they, James. They wanted to be fun loving. Yeah. What did he say? What is it? I don't know. Like? I'd love to know. Like, I'd love, like, what was his honest to God reaction? <laughs> Not the one he tells in interviews. Like, what was his honest to God reaction when they came to him and said, hey, we went with Kevin James to play you in this, in this biopic, which I don't know. I don't, I mean, it sounds like it might be funny. I'm not sure, but uh, good for him. Good yeah, for man. Him. Look, you got to get away, man. I, I'll tell you this. No, I was, I was uh, last week, um, I, I ran into or I met up with Frank Beamer. Uh, former head coach at Virginia yeah, Tech. Yeah, you got the and, autograph. Yeah, we got some things done for the uh, the silent auction at that dinner that I'll talk about in a second. I'm sorry but, I didn't get – I was sad I didn't get to meet the son. Oh, I know. But uh, we'll talk about that too. But, like, when Frank retired from coaching back in 2015, mm -hmm. like a year later, just like a year, probably less after he retired from coaching, he looked fantastic. He looked like he got 10 years back on his life. Like, he looked like he was in great shape. Like, he got in sleep. Like, he was just – looked like a, a regular human again. Coaching will suck the life out of you. <laughs> He's probably will, got more energy now. Yeah, he does. Coaching football will suck the life out of you. Man, I saw my man Joe Vitt. Like, I saw Joe Vitt, like, at, over the summer. And he's like an older coach, linebacker, like, assistant head coach. Loved Joe, Joe Vitt. He always called us – you know, in Sean's presser, he talked about that 06 team. Like, like, the, like they called us the Junction Boys. Cause like it was like yeah, Millsaps was a dirt show. Like it was it was awful. It was hot as shit. It's the middle of Jackson. There's no rain. It was fuck and we were there for like well most training camps were like two weeks. It sounds brutal. New Orleans, there was no Superdome. You couldn't go back. So we were in Mississippi because of your new coach. You get to start a couple of days early, and we stayed late because New Orleans wasn't even. You couldn't even go back yet. Right. We were in training camp for six damn weeks in Millsaps, bro. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> and the coaches all know they're like, bro. We probably took years off these guys' career. Like oh, yeah. it was that bad. Oh, I believe it. It melted cleats on their turf. Like it was outside turf. Six that weeks just, in Mississippi with, oh, no, with no rain. No, bro. It was just. It was the oh, worst. Oh. Absolute worst. So um, he talked about that. And so Joe Vitt, I saw him back to Joe. Dude, he looks great. He's like, man, he's like, I'm in the best, I'm some of the best shape of my life yeah. now. He said, man, I play golf. I just, I did it is. And like, he said, man, it's just, it's not bad. Like, you know, he's only been retired like a year or so, you know, and he, that's all he did. Yeah. It's the only job he ever had. Oh, yeah. Like, he had it since like got out of school, played ball a little bit, and then like asked for a job. They're like, yeah, come on over here. Uh, the Steelers, <laughs> uh, great coach uh, from back in the day. Uh, head uh, coach? Yes. Chuck No. Chuck No. Yeah. All right. Then he went to went with him to Seattle. And he's been in the NFL since like the set. Like that's all he knows. And he's, he's been a lifer. Yeah, he's a, literally a lifer. The only job he's ever had. It's one of those professions where you, you're get, you get healthier when you're done. You, you get out of it. It's like yeah, like my buddies, I'll joke sometimes. I'll run into them like, bro, I slept seven hours last night. Dude, they don't sleep. It's crazy. They do not it's sleep. Crazy. They sleep at that. Dude, the grind is real. They don't even go home. No, dude, they don't. The grind is real. No, they don't. And it's like, it's beyond like the pride of how I slept in the office last night. It's like, you didn't sleep in the office last night? What, what's wrong? Was there a family emergency? Or, oh, a birthday. Whose birthday? You, you kids? In college, it's not as many hours, I guess, because they got the whole hour thing. Well, that's the cool thing about like a guy like Bruce Arians, though, too. Like Bruce Arians tells his guys, I will find you if you don't leave at such and such time and go home and spend time with your family. Right. Yeah. Some guys get it. Some guys, you know, but other guys, they just take it to the furthest extreme where they just, they, you know, they get their mail at their office because they don't ever leave. So it's, it's just that's part of the game, man. And the guys who uh, are in the conference championship games this weekend, uh, I'm sure are pulling long hours this week. But, dude, how about the playoffs last weekend? How about the playoffs? Outstanding. I mean, the, the reason why it was outstanding, Kyle, what I want to tell it from, excuse me, I want to tell it from both sides. The reason why I thought it was outstanding is because every game was close. They were all competitive. And not only that, but you saw some big-time plays happening. It's about some big-time players. And 
if you don't have a dog in the fight, you enjoyed watching it. Like, it was entertaining. Fantastic. <laughs> that was the biggest separator for me. You know, you get in these playoff times, and when that's why everybody knocks college football championship because it's Alabama and Georgia. It's the same two best teams in one – like, so it, does, it takes away a sector. But these games meant more because everybody watches NFL, and they were all very highly 42 competitive. 42 million people watch Chiefs and Bills. 42 <laughs> million. I, it was – a barn burner by the end. It was out. It was crazy. It's the good. best non-Super Bowl playoff game I've ever seen. I feel bad for Josh Allen because that boy balled. He should have won something. Like they should have given him some prize, some award for like, hey, balled. You, you he should have won the MVP that night. They should have <laughs> given it to him that he night. He should have won the freaking he MVP. The, he played a perfect game. Oh. He played a perfect game and still lost. Kyle, when Kansas City went down there and scored, boom, and then all of a sudden Josh Allen, they needed to score because I think Kansas City went up nine. And they went down there, and, like, literally on the second play, he bombed it to uh, Gabriel from like for, like, 70 yards. Like, that ball was in the air for 60-something, 70 yards. And for a quarterback to be that accurate, that deep down the field, hit that guy in stride like that, the odds of that percentage of that throw is, like, very little. But it was an outstanding play. Oh. So when I saw that as a prof- professional, to see that guy throw that ball over that safety's head – even though I don't know what they were running defensively. <laughs> no clue. That defense made no sense. But I, I've been in that defense before. I know it, it does not make sense at times. But that was a great dime. Then in the in the what was that the two point conversion when he got blitzed, well he got pressured, went to his right, reverse spin back out, then like uh kind of went like through going across his body. Yep. And Stephon Diggs dimed him in the back back line. I was like, dude, this guy's ridiculous right now. He's stupid. This guy's like, whoa. I was like, I had to wake up everybody in my house, Kyle. I was literally yelling at the TV. I just, I was like in awe. And ne- I'm, neither defense could get a stop. We no. understand that, right? I, I get that. I've always hated the NFL's overtime rules. What? Hold on, hold on. But when they when they updated them back in 2010. I felt like they just, it was a half measure, right? They were admitting that what they had sucked. And it was like, well, okay, we'll, we'll tweak it a little bit. Uh, if they kick a field goal, you can have the ball back. But if you give up a touchdown, well, sudden death, the game's over. I'm cool with that. I, I don't like it just because if, if you were going to change it, then I've always, for me anyway, from an entertainment standpoint, if I'm the NFL and I want the best possible product, you know, it happened in 2019 with Brady and Mahomes, and Mahomes got the short end of the stick that day. But, like, I want Josh Allen to get his hands on the ball. I don't think you have to go to the college rules. I don't think you have to institute the, um, uh, you know, or eliminate the special teams aspect. But I would like to see it. I will say this, though. I just don't know why this time is so special that we now have to change it. Because, again, it happened to Patrick Mahomes in 2019. Thank you. So what's so much more egregious now than what it, happened It's to- not. It's not. Look. It played out almost the exact same way. Kyle. First of all, life ain't fair, okay? But you lose the coin toss. That don't mean you lose the game. You still have a chance because they changed the rule in 2009 after we did it to Minnesota. Everybody was in an uproar. Right. And you want to know why? Because they were sad that Brett Favre lost. Not beca- 13 seconds on the clock, too. All you had to do is squib kick. I don't know. I, 13. No, no, no. The squib kick you didn't lose them. Shouldn't even they, have been, it shouldn't even have gone. Thank you. Time. They lost it. In regulation. Same thing as Minnesota did, too, when they lost to us. Stop blame. Everybody tries to find a reason to blame what it is, and the ball don't lie. Look, Buffalo lost that game in regulation. Yeah. You can't allow them. You're the best defense in the, in the NFL, and you can't stop them from getting 60-something yards in 13 seconds. You're playing outside, man. That's terrible defensive call. They, they, what they did was not smart. They got out-executed big time. Oh, yeah. Okay? They have three timeouts. Why are you playing the sideline and well, off and outside? Two, uh, they can just to, catch the ball and just go down. Like, they can call timeout. When it You're playing regular defense at this point. I have no idea what they were thinking. When it went to overtime, I, I just I was sitting by myself, and I said, well, whoever wins a coin toss is going to win this game. Right? Because, so, to your point. But, but Kyle, the whole, no. My point being that I, I expected that. Like, yes, I don't like the rules. I'm well-established as not loving the NFL's overtime rules, but – I know what the rules are, and I expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. So my, my only thought process is here, to your point, yes, there were 13 seconds on the clock, right? Instead of a touchback, uh-huh. you, you mm-hmm. squib kick it, and you're not in that situation. I got plenty to say on this. Okay, Keep but going. then on, uh, on top of that, it played out, played out Excuse me, almost exactly like the Brady-Mahomes game in 2019. Yes, exactly. And, and so, again, 
why now? Like, what, what's they're not going to change it. They should not change the rule. I don't the think rule. they're going to change anything. They should not change I the rule. They better not. That's BS <laughs> if they do. Look, you, you had a chance. Stop them. You're a professional. This is the NFL. I would change the rule. But based upon what? No, because my preference. I don't but, like it. But think about it. But then you give the second team the advantage. No, no, no. The thing is, I'm not. They have the advantage, Kyle. I've had this argument. Why like, would for, you do for that? Ten years. If you give the, I want, I want you to tell me. Because I want you're going both to explain. teams to touch the ball in overtime. But, but you do understand, you're giving the second team an advantage because now they know they have to go for it all four downs. Where the first team did not have flip, that right? advantage. It's still a coin flip. No, it's not. Think Why? about it. Think about it. Okay, so it's coin flip. That means. That means I would just defer. If it, if it's a coin flip and both teams had a chance to score, I would just defer because I'd rather have four downs to score versus you. If you don't get it on three downs, you okay. see what I'm saying? So most teams defer, but then you only make it one possession. So what if neither team scores on the first possession? You see what I'm saying? So you make everybody go for two always. That's see. The analytics and what you're trying to do is implement the, the game. Analytics. Now. Well, you're trying to change the whole game. The point of the game is. It's Sunday well, if it's hold overtime. On. Let's not act like these are like time honored rules of the NFL. These are overtime rules are twelve years old. No, exactly. But I, I understand that. But you don't understand. Both teams do not deserve. You got your chance by playing defense. If you don't like that, like that's life. Like that is the NFL. In every other that is sport, a standard. Both teams have a chance to score. In every other sport, in overtime, they both teams have a chance to score. They do, too. It's called stop them on oh, defense. no, no, no. This game's all about offense. You can't engineer all the rules to, to help the offense and then act like you should just get stops in overtime. All the rules benefit the offense now. That is, Dude, you are a professional. Make the play. Listen, again, I would change the rule, but I agree with you. There's nothing particularly special not, about what happened this weekend that's any worse than what happened two years ago and you. other playoffs before thank that. You. So, again, I would thank like you. different rules, but I just don't think today there's anything different about what happened. Because they week. were all sad in 09 when they changed the rule after we did it to Minnesota. We pick off Brett Favre in regulation. That's where they really lost the game because they had 12 guys in the huddle, dum-dums. Then Brett Favre yep. rolls out and throws the pick to Tracy. Yep. So – Yep. That's when they really lost the game. Same thing with Buffalo. You lose the game in, in regulation half the time. It's not the overtime that's the really issue. Overtime is just to carry out, just a follow through of what you allow to happen. So we get the we win the toss. We got a good return. We get a couple first downs close. We get close. We kick the field goal and run up out of there. And they're mad because Brett Favre didn't get a chance to touch the ball. Sure. All right, but he threw a pick last time he touched. But here's the, ball. the thing, though. But I keep going back to the the NFL has steadily the rules committee has steadily changed rules, tweaked rules, made rules, engineered and intended to benefit the offense because fans like offense, fans like points. So then, how can you turn around in an overtime? And so, even though we've changed all these rules to benefit the offense, we expect you to get stops. Dude, I mean, just tell, just say the defense don't 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 fucking matter, then Kyle. I think defense matters. So I, that's the, I want. I don't want. If they change this rule, I'm gonna be. Mad. I've never wanted to see the NFL turn into Big 12 football. I've never wanted to see I'm that. I'm going to be mad. Well, look, we've also seen some rock fights and some you know pretty good defensive games this year, so it's not like nobody plays defense anymore. We'll get over it. San Francisco and Green Bay. We, we a, agree. They're not, they're not changing any rules. D no. They're not changing rules. No. Okay, there you go. Uh, sidebar, two weeks from now, Valentine's Day. I have no fucking idea what I'm getting my wife. Do you? Are you working on this yet? No. What? I'm mad at my wife right now. <laughs> you know what the good thing is? She won't hear that. She doesn't listen to she us. She doesn't listen. Neither does my wife. I don't think anyway. Or maybe she does. This, I hope she, this is the episode she listens to. You hope so? Yeah. All right. I'm well, mad at her. You seem pretty upset about that. I got to think am. about that because. I take my daughters out on date. That's about my Valentine's. I don't even. Me and Heather, we do some a little bit, you know. But okay. Not, on, not anything on Valentine's, no. No, I got to figure it out. I'll, I'll look into it some more and I'll figure it out. But like the Valentine's, I, I've never. What are you thinking? Why don't you just ask her? Don't do anything crazy. Just, I, well, car, she's just already, get the car. She, she's dropped a hint already. She, the, the, she wants to pedicure, manicure. And I think she wants it to be like a his and hers thing. Dude, I've never had a pedicure or a manicure. Either one. Yeah. Kyle, this sounds like an awesome idea. Have you, you had one? Plenty of times. What? Kyle. Yeah, plenty. No. Really? Plenty. Are uh, you, I'm, are just, you, I'm not cultured in that way. And so, so Kyle, I, the biggest thing is, especially if you're going to get your, your, your nails done, like the manicure part? Nah, man. Because the petty's the feet. I but know. the manicure as well. You can get the manicure. The biggest thing is that, like, tell them don't put no shine and stuff on you. Oh, my. No. Don't make it shine. <laughs> no buff. Mm -mm. Just, just clean it up, bro. You, you know can, what I mean? Do they have the thing where you can stick your feet in all those little fish and stuff? And the well, fish? at certain places, that's more like uh, in, I, in 
foreign foreign countries. Oh, so really? Yeah, yeah that's they don't not have service here. I, I I don't know. I'm sure they do. I don't really do that though. They don't. I just okay. like the nice warm water, bro. All right. Let the thing soak. It's gonna feel good. And then next, you know, it's gonna be soft enough. They're gonna get your brush. They're gonna get the cows. Anything rough on the bottom, and try and clean you up. Like and she scoops. probably needs that too, because women wear heels and all these other th- and like other shoes. Like their feet are more beat up than ours sometimes, Kyle. So oh. I'm telling you, man, just go in there, bro. Enjoy it. Then you gonna get the the love. They're gonna cut your nails. You are gonna be straight, dog. And get rid of cuticles. You like, dang, I didn't know my feet was that bad. What? Yeah, man, it, it, it's good, Kyle. So you be like, you dang, I, it makes a difference. So you think I should do this? I definitely. I I'm encouraging you to do this. All right. I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll, I like broadening the horizons. I'm, I'm with you on that. I just, I don't know, bro. Kyle, if I can agree to go skiing, bro, then you can go get When did you do that? I mean, I haven't. Oh, you haven't yet? No. So you just theoretically might agree to go. You've never <laughs> skied? No. I've snowboarded badly once. That's it. Uh, it's not, not really my thing, man. Speaking of, I was up in the, uh, I was up in the, the mountains over the weekend, and uh, you know Leo Mazzoni. We had him on the podcast way back when. Braves pitching coach, Braves Hall of Famer, wild dude. So go up to, uh, the, to Bluefield, West Virginia. It's on the state line, straddles VA in West Virginia. My brother's a coach there, Bluefield State. You, we had him on. And so they had their first pitch uh, baseball banquet dinner. Leo and I go up. He's the keynote speaker. I am see it. So we're up there, and we're staying at the bed and breakfast where my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, it's her mother's bed and breakfast, beautiful place. And so, you know, the Saturday's full, and Saturday night we had the banquet. went great, um, you know, having a good time, watching playoff football. We ended up back at the B&B. Me, the playoffs are freaking awesome. It, fantastic. So, we're, <laughs> like, we're all monitoring Bengals and Titans. Did, did you think 49ers are going to beat Green Bay? Before the game? Absolutely not. Okay. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Uh, did, not, did not see that one coming. And so, you know, we're monitoring Bengals-Titans during the banquet. And then we get back to the B&B, and it's me, my dad, my brother, and Leo. We're posted up, drinking beers, cocktails, watching uh, playoff football, Dude, having a great so time. that's so cool. Leo Mazzoni hung out with Well, him. he came in a day early, and he's working with my brother's players, right? And so they're, they're working How up was there. that? Oh, it was awesome. So I got in You just sat- never get that. <clears throat> well, I got like, in Saturday morning, right? He, what he what got did the players night. say? Loved it. It was hilarious, too, though, by the way. So he gets in Friday night. They, my brother has an indoor facility that he runs where he trains players on top of being the head coach. And so they're getting indoor work in because this is, you know, Bluefield, there's three, four inches of snow on the ground, right? So uh, they're getting work in. And I walk in Saturday morning and they're throwing, uh, you know, they got live arms facing batters in one of the cages. And Leo's back there on the back end working with the, with the pitchers. So I walk in, give Leo a hug, say what's up. And I'm standing there with him. And they put a new arm up on the mound, right? And so this kid comes up. And the first two pitches he throws, I'll never forget. The first two pitches he throws, I think, uh, change up breaking ball. And Leo stops him. Now, mind you, Leo's been there two hours. Never met these kids before, right? Mm-hmm. Stops this kid after the first pitch. Looks at him and goes, what are your first two pitches? Kid goes, uh, change up breaking ball. And Leo shakes his head and he goes, let's you establish your fucking fastball first. <laughs> How about your fastball? How about you establish your fucking fastball first? And he just reverted right back into his Atlanta Braves days, probably talking to Smoltz and Glavin and, and, and those guys. I mean, it matters. Well, they already knew that by then. And the look on this kid's face, like his eyeballs just got bigger. I mean, it was hilarious, right? But like he, he was He's scared. not lying, though, Kyle. Well, no, but he was scared for a second. And then he gets on. He's like, okay, okay. And he jumps back on the hill, right? And he shoves a fastball up, there, up this kid's ass. I mean, he just blows it right by him. And he looks over at Leo like a proud kid. And Leo was like, see, told you. And, and it was awesome, right? And so to see Leo in his element with his D2 team, you know, HBCU yeah. in the mountains, and uh, they've got a good thing going up there. But we had a great time, man. It was just sitting there talking, ba- watching my dad, the ultimate. Nobody, you've never met a met a bigger baseball nerd in your life than my dad. Um, he's big NASCAR, so he's yeah, good. exactly, baseball NASCAR, and he's sitting there drinking brews, talking baseball with Leo Mazzoni, a guy that he watched for years in the Braves dugout, and just getting the biggest kick out of it, man. It was awesome. I, I, I man, look, you know me and my uh, my fandom for the Braves growing up, so. I, Man, that's really cool that Leo just went and did that. Oh, he was fantastic. Time. That's man. awesome. They, they loved him. I mean, you, you, and that changes young people's lives. Like that, the, you know, you, you spend time, you do those little things. That goes a very long way. Yeah. No, no, he's and it, and it's funny too because you know he tells these stories about all the guys that he's worked with, right? And he he can tell you bullpen stories of working with Smoltz. But I'll, remember John Rocker and how crazy that guy yeah. was. He tells John Rocker stories that will leave you in tears. Um, I mean, so, so he just has this, um, you know, incredible immediate recollection of some of the best stories, baseball stories you can ever Dude, imagine. why did they let him go to New York? Bro? Well, he went to uh, the Orioles with the Baltimore, and he spent some time with the Orioles for Who? a while. Mazzoni. 
I'm talking about Rocker, bro. Oh, 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 my fault. Rocker. Yeah, my, yeah, my bad. Um, but no, no, no. I mean, he, uh, I don't know. They, they, well, he was insane. He got in trouble. You know. Yeah, like immediately the moment he got up there, like, bro. It, he, could, he couldn't stay out of trouble. <laughs> he could not stay out of trouble. Um, apparently, Leo did his impression. Apparently, Rocker would walk up to be like, hey, hey, boss man. And that's how he addressed him every time. Hey, hey, boss man, what are we up to today? <laughs> every single day. So, no, it was cool, man. And uh, there we, we had a good time. But listening to guys like that, especially in, in the week where uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame stuff happened and Big Poppy got in and Bonds and Clemens didn't and Schilling didn't and obviously Sosa didn't and uh, who else am I forgetting here? Uh, A-Rod didn't come close. Uh-huh. Um, only, only Big Poppy. And I don't have any love for Barry Bonds. I grew up a Dodgers fan, and so he's far from my favorite player in the world, but I don't know how you, you leave that guy out of the Hall <laughs> of Fame. I mean – I don't. I think it's ridiculous, honestly. I, I know that they cheated. I know they took steroids. But when the commissioner, Bud Selig, who presided over that entire era, is in the Hall of Fame, other accused PED users, now including David Ortiz, yeah, are Denny, in the Hall Denny, of Fame. Denny, he, he, he tested positive in 2003. Now, there were problems with the sample with the test, right? And so there were flaws with it. And so I, I think it was a technicality of some sort and never tested positive again otherwise, to the best of my knowledge. But uh, he, he's been linked to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's likable. He's hilarious. Thank you. you know, he's big poppy. He's big poppy. Barry Bonds is not a nice guy. And and I'm saying but, that. But that's that's the thing that sucks. That's the thing that, that sucks about matter. some of these voting. Should not matter. These, these voting people, the people that have the votes, you know, they don't have the interest of the fans or anything. No. They have their own individual interests. When Just they, agendas. Yeah. Straight up agendas. When they send in these votes. And we all know that. Look, Barry Bonds, for whatever he took or did, you know, before he even got there, he had Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. Before he even got to the Giants, he had that at Pittsburgh. He was balling. But after that, you know, it, it does stink because we all know what happened. And everybody did it at that time, and everybody was so entertained. It brought back – baseball was really big at that time because of the, the steroid era. I, they can't deny that either. They all made a ton of money off of it. Yep. They made a ton of money. And – Another thing, and and I take this from uh from from Leo Mazzoni, is that it wasn't they didn't break a rule. There wasn't it wasn't even a rule. Well, I mean the thing is again, everybody was complicit. In that <laughs> the media knew what was happening. Those organizations he had it knew in what his was locker, happening. bro. Yeah, Mark McGuire did interviews at his locker in a, in the clubhouse with an, with with a tub of Andro behind his head. Yes. I mean, there's, there's shots of it, right? And yes. nobody asked any questions about it, right? So you're right. Everybody, if you, well, they cheated. Yeah, we know. But they so did everybody else. Everybody yes. knew, yep. right? So, I mean, I think. And they, some didn't, but, you know, they got punished at that time through that era because they don't even get to play. Because guys that were juiced were playing and playing great for longer because yep. they were taking us your stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, me and my former teammates, we always talk about those things and other athletes that, man, if you did, if you would have taken stuff, would have been worth it. And 98, 99% of us all say, yes, it would have been. Whether you would have got caught or not, you'd have been suspended for a year or whatever. But that one year of non-pay yeah. for the extra deal that you're going to get on the back end of like another five, eight, ten, twenty plus million dollars a year. Yep. For those extra four, like three or four years, it's worth it. It is worth it. It's worth it. So I, I hate that they're punishing them for that, especially when we all, like, we look back and, like, we all thought it was just different. We just thought we were just in the, like, guys are just beaming things. But at the same time, we all knew something. Well, there are certain guys who reach a certain stature that whether or not you put them in the Hall of Fame at this point, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it does. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're, it will always matter to an extent. Yeah. But Roger Clemens' stature as one of the all-time great pitchers will not really be impacted in a, a, a significant way. Like, we won't have a harder time remembering ha- Roger Clemens. No, the bloody sock, bro. No, that's Kurt Schilling. Ro- oh, yeah, Roger Clemens, the rocket. I mean, like, yeah, he, yeah. he had that little he, the thing that he posted the other day where he was like, Yeah, he threw the bat. That's what he Well, did. yeah, he said the other day, I put this behind me, you know, years ago. I, I've accepted this for what it is. I don't care anymore. There are far more important things in life. I'm happy. thousand percent. You know, Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. Right now, he's a famous case, the most famous case. But Pete Rose will always be known, despite the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds will always be known because he's the home run king, which is what makes it all so absurd. <laughs> right? It, it, this place exists as a nonprofit foundation to preserve and tell the history of baseball. You cannot tell you cannot tell the history of baseball without Pete Rose and without Barry Bonds and without Roger Clemens. You just can't do it. 
right? So, I mean, it, this I think the Veterans Committee will get these guys in. It's just unfortunate that the Baseball Writers Association still has people that, you know, and, and look, the one th- here's the one thing I'll say. If you are at least con- consistent in your conviction yep. and you won't vote for any accused steroid users, right? Mm-hmm. You won't vote for anybody who's tied to PEDs and never have. I can at least respect that conviction and that consistency. I think you're wrong, but I can at least respect that. But if you voted for Bud Selig, if you voted for, for David Ortiz and you're not voting for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, I mean, why? Like, what, how, and then, then we can get into issues or conversations about other guys that have been enshrined in Cooperstown that are not men of high regard, who were not men of great character, who right. were a lot of things, right? It's not the hall of nice guys. It's the hall of honor for the best baseball players of all time. So, yeah, that's my spiel. That's my rant. I'm done with that. Well, I, I like it. And when I heard about it, I, it just doesn't shock me anymore. It doesn't shock me. So it, I'm over it. I, I, I hope burying those guys, like you said, it would get handled. You know more about those, the Hall of Fame than I do. So when I walked in tonight, quick change of, of, of topic here. When I walked in tonight, I think I asked you if you'd been catching up on Ozark. I'll get back to that. Have you seen Righteous Gemstones on HBO? Oh, that's the, the family. It's yeah. Very funny. Uh, John Goodman. Danny I only McBride. saw the first season. I hadn't seen the second it, season. Yeah, so it's it's the the last episode might be the funniest episode of the entire series. Um, <laughs> how many how many episodes? Uh, I'm not sure how many. It's season two. I don't know what. I, I think they've already renewed it for season three, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Which is interesting because Danny McBride, who plays Kenny Powers in Eastbound and Down, um, love that famously show. does not love. He doesn't think shows should run for you know many many seasons. In yeah, fact, he, I think as the story goes, he didn't want Eastbound and Down to be longer than two seasons. I think. Dude, it was. Uh, I love that Phenomenal show. show. It was hilarious. If that's your kind of humor. For yeah. me, it is. That kind of dumb humor yeah, is yeah, right yeah. up my alley. I couldn't watch that with my mom. So, Righteous My wife tried to show my, wife, uh, my mom in, like, the first, like, three minutes. She's like, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not for her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, probably not for her. But, like, this, this show is, I mean, it's the, it's the satirical, you know, view of every mega church famous, you know, super pastor right the and I, yeah. i'm just calling out names but we know who they are like yeah. joel osteen's or Austin, yeah, yeah, yeah. guys like that they know those families and things and and this one probably more geared toward the grams billy graham franklin graham you know they're they're, they're a big element of that story you know it's like this mishmash of all of the, the most famous uh religious oh, families oh my gosh it's it's legit it's funny and, and they got issues incredible <laughs> tv absolutely it's funny incredible. i saw the first season it was hilarious oh my gosh so uh, but i always wonder like as and, and I bring this up delicately because religion is not a place that you and I often go. But I've always wondered about that, like the the attraction to the mega church for certain people. Does that mean because to me church was always about like community? And so if you're sitting in an arena with seven thousand other churchgoers, it, to me that wouldn't feel like much of a community. Does that make sense? To well, me? I, I never, I didn't grow up in that in that either. lane, so no, I didn't I, it's really hard for me to talk. I grew up I, in a I, tiny church house. I've never even been to one. I would consider like one of those. I did one time here. I didn't like it. I like for the preacher to at least like be in the know same your room. Name. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'd rather do it that way. Well, I don't even care about that much. I'm, I'm not there for the preacher. I'm there to, to receive the word. So, um, that's what it has to be about for me. And I've never been in that situation, so it's really hard for me to comment. I grew up in Alabama, so I went to a Southern Baptist church. Yep. So it was big. Yeah. And it's, I mean, my pastor back home. I mean, he's the longest running pastor in the state of Alabama. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, Pastor Jordan. Yeah, man. He he's been there since. Oh, since he's been there, he's the longest running pastor in in, uh, in the state of Alabama. Uh, yeah, I was a mud pike Christian, tiny little church house, uh, you know, out in the country at first, and then Main Street Baptist and Cambria Baptist, both like you said, Southern Baptist churches. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, just the, the whole mega church thing because I didn't grow up in a big populated area, so there were no mega churches near me anyway, right? right. But you come to Charlotte, and there are some big big churches in the area, right? And and it's just always been sort of a phenomenon that I haven't fully understood because I can watch the I can watch the Osteens, I can watch Stephen Furtick, I guess, with Elevation Church and, you know, all the others, mm-hmm. and I, I can see it. And it's like a huge event, right? And it's yeah. like a made-for-TV event, but it's a Sunday morning service. So that's always been a wild concept to me. And then watching Rice's Gemstones and the way they portray those, I mean, the, the, the scandal, the dysfunction in some of those hilarious. big religious families, mm-hmm. oh, buddy, they got some stories. Yeah, it's it's funny. He what's the oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to look him up here in a second. But it it's really funny because you know they got like twenty cars, they like it's the most oh, over yeah. the top version. It's very funny. It's highly entertaining just because they got a lot of humor in it. Right, like the, and I, I keep going back to, the, to Joel Osteen. He's got like a jet and, you know, seven Hummers and a couple of Lambos and um, got re- roasted during the, uh, what was the hurricane in, in, in Houston a couple of years ago 
when uh, the story went that he wouldn't open his church doors for people who, you know, needed basically a refuge from the storm. Um, inciting, I guess, church repairs or something along those lines. Uh, he was back in the news for not for some not great reason, but uh, the prosperity gospel is, is yeah. what they call it. And that's, uh, I know it's a little bit controversial to some people. Like you said, the prosperity gospel is, to, to some people is a complete contradiction to what they think the word actually says. Well, it reminds me of um, the house they have is like Jesse Duplantis' house in Louisiana. Yeah. It's like, the it's huge. And it used to be in my over there by my neighborhood. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I played there in Deathstrand, yeah, dude, it's huge. I, and I went and I've been to his church. It's a good service. And uh, and then he was explaining like why he was building it and stuff. And so I actually, I, I mean, I saw it come up from the ground. It was, it's a huge house. So, oh yeah. So it's it's different, and they all have you know they have private planes. And look, and a lot of them can't fly normal because people know who they are. It'd be a very uncomfortable trip. Like I understand a lot of the stuff too. I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. I don't. You know, no, no, of course not. Yeah, I'm not even into different that, strokes yeah. for different folks, yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. that's that was the point from the beginning. But yeah, uh, it, I was thinking about Righteous Gemstones because I watched it, I caught up the other day. And, and the, getting back to the other one, Ozark, right on Netflix right now. I, I don't have we ever done a full blown TV re- episode review podcast? I don't think we have. Um, but Ozark, how how caught up are you on this new season? I finished, You've, you're done, I'm done. I've only seen three episodes. All right, so we can't talk about what actually happens here, but I'm three episodes in. And this, I think, is one of the maybe so best 10 shows I've ever seen. I mean, where, where, where are you on Ozark? Is it that high for you in terms of the best you've ever seen? It's, it's, I'd have to really sit down and think about yeah, it. Yeah, okay, don't think too hard about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you think it, it's a really good I show? I do. Yeah, I think it's a really good show, and I think everybody that watches could get into it. I'm struggling with the first three episodes of this season, though. Because it just kind of feels like there's so many different things that are going all over the place, and it's gonna, it's way too much to. I don't know. Like, does it start to come together? I, I, a little bit, but I want to see. There's so much pressure on this season because the first two were so good. The first season of, of Ozark, I think, is one of the the top five seasons of TV that I've ever seen. Better than Breaking Bad. They set a really I'm, high high bar. I'm done. I'm done. With it, so I don't want to tell you too much. All right, but okay. I'll just say this: I after the seven, it's not done. Well, oh, well, no, no, no. you say like the, the show's not over, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, I know that they're they're gonna come back. But yeah. okay, all right. Now I'll check it out. That the wife is actually waiting on me right now. She said, "Hurry up, you and Roman get this done so we can pick up Ozark." So <laughs> that's been my assignment for tonight. I got it. You got to get on it. Bro. Well, we have to go right the second. But I'm saying she told me, "Hurry the hell up! I want to watch Ozark." So I got to get back and do that anyway. Yeah, we do have a time limit. You we do tell, because we, well, and, and first, when I walked in, you were doing some signage over here. I don't. Know I was. Much. You're gonna have to record me. Okay, I have to record this. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but it's what FanDuel, right? I mean, we can't talk about it. Well, it's, okay, yeah. fine. We can talk more about the details in a minute. But I come over, and maybe some FanDuel-related yes. something was sitting there. And right before I left, I was watching uh, the latest episode of HBO Real Sports. And the first story this month in the, the, the new 2022 season was I, about DraftKings, FanDuels. I got, I got, FanDuels I got my own opinion about this, which is just bananas. That when I was in the league, that you couldn't even do anything connected to a casino. Like, they wouldn't even let you do anything. And now they're all in pockets with them, all in bed with them all just to get all the money. It's, it's hilarious. I think it's funny that – I mean, you know the highest-paid player in the league is, right? Who? Roger Goodell. Oh, well. It's okay. not even close. I'm stunned. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why we can't do the other stuff too. Well, okay, fine. But anyways. But the, it, it, yes, yes. So and it's opening it, it's up so everywhere. Much, but the players are going to benefit too because ca- the cap's all going to go up. Oh, of course. I mean, the valuations of, of franchises are going up. Matter of fact, when Jerry Richardson sold the uh, Panthers franchise to David Tepper, and then I want to say it was like a month later maybe. That, oh, it, said uh, the, it reset the market for yeah, everybody. the legalized sports gambling stuff really started to break. And, I, I mean, Tepper might have had to pay an extra half a billion dollars or more for this team had that happened. He got um, yeah. So, but anyway – you know, you've got all these states opening it up. And I was up in New Hampshire back in the summer where my wife is from, visiting at the lake. And we, we took a day trip into Manchester, New Hampshire, um, which is the largest city. It's not the capital, but it's the largest city there. And they've opened up their DraftKings FanDuel sportsbooks there. I'd never been in one. Um, so I dipped my head in. It was actually attached to an event place we were going to. So I dipped my head in. And it's unique for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> It also attracts the exact crowd that you would think attracts, you know, sports books in the broad daylight, in, you know, <laughs> in, you know in the, on a weekday. Or, well, I'm telling you, it, 
People that gamble, they're fiends for it, oh, too. Oh, yeah. And, you know and most mean? people that do this, by the way, are going to prefer to do this online, right? For yeah. me, personally, right here in North Carolina, where we're still waiting on this to find because it's coming. But everywhere else, like Virginia just opened this up. But then what if you, man, I'm you got something, you just, you just want to just run in and put something down. I'm good. I don't, I'm, I'm sticking, away, I'm staying away from the brick and mortar places myself. I'll just, I'll do my online business. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to saddle up with Sal and Jimmy up there at the, at the DraftKings FanDuel Sportsbook and watching those guys get into a fist fight after the, uh, the games are over. So, but no, it's, uh, it's interesting, man. It's really interesting because the sports books, as we know them, Vegas, right? MGM. Caesars, yeah. right? That's yes. the William Hills. All I mean, I, that, those are the the books that we know, and the way it's always looked to us, but not anymore. And the money is insane. But it's also as some like as someone who's I'm in my mid thirties, and I started gambling, admittedly, online a long time ago. I mean, I was gambling online, betting betting on sports 12, 13, 14 years ago, using an <laughs> offshore book from either Montreal or Costa Rica. And I would go to, to get my payouts. I'd go to Walmart and have a green dot money pack card sent to me from Jose Alessandro Cortez Perez Perisandro, you know, 17 names guy who wasn't a real person to go collect my winnings. So none of this is new to me. But there are a whole lot of people who didn't really get into that back in the day who are now saying, oh, I can legally gamble on something that I already spend way too much time on. Absolutely sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like people that are not equipped to gamble. Kyle, I mean, they, there's Kyle, a- they're gonna they're gonna offer a lot of deals to get you in. Yeah, because the biggest thing is like that's why casinos are free. They don't charge you oh, to come in. Oh, here's a bonus: hundred bucks. Come play with some house money. <laughs> yeah. Right, Let's get y'all back over here. <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's the fucked up thing is that you know with these the online services especially like these, and I'm not calling anybody out in particular, but like that's part of the the business model. That's part of the hook. So you'll gamble. You might have the willpower to take a break for a week or two. Boom, there's that email in your inbox. There's that text. Hey, $100 yeah. bonus. But it's right? an app. Come play with some house it's money. It's an app. Right? It's, it's accessible. Absolutely. It's accessible. So, and you're going to look at you can, and they're going to show you lines every day. And, and I've always said that there are people who have no business doing this, right? Have no business gambling on sports. <laughs> and there are a lot of people who are either already in trouble, have lost their asses, are probably doing so right now as we speak, or will continue to. I don't think that it shouldn't be legal because of that, but because it is legal right now, you're going to see a whole, a huge, I think, uptick in uh, gambling resources and hotlines and things like that. I mean, it's already happening all over the country, but that was a story on HBO Real Sports where the guy was detailing how much money he lost, how big a problem that he had, um, you know, and, and the way oh, these... Really? Oh, they yeah. had a guy that lost his butt off? Lost his ass, absolutely. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. How much did he lose? Uh, I don't remember the exact dollar figures, but it was obscene, right? I mean, it yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. was not, a, not a good amount. Like, but gambling is such... I but mean, even, I think it's crazy when I hear about these, like, Big these big people, big wig people that gamble like that, they put a couple million dollars on a line. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, way, yeah, absolutely right. Floyd Mayweather, we'll just use Floyd as an example. Floyd was always smart. He bet on himself. He, well, right. I, but I wish I wish I could have bet on our own team too. Sure, but Floyd will walk into a casino tonight, you know, and place a one point six million dollar bet on the Bengals this weekend, right? I mean, that's what he does. <laughs> He'll just drop bricks of cash on the counter and you know put it on Cincinnati. That, yeah, because all those casinos pay him millions of dollars too. Charles Barkley, right? Charles will go in there, you know, move a line just a tick. You know, a couple <laughs> of those guys. I mean, it, it's uh, it is a really really interesting industry, but. The people who work in it, they've always been really good. Like, I don't think the, the average person understands just how talented the, these odds makers are, right? And just how talented these guys are that set those lines. And now the technology, you know, and the algorithms and the mathematicians even that are involved in not just, you know, setting the lines and, you know, working, but, but actually monitoring for um, irregularities, mm-hmm. monitoring for guys uh, point shaving. Right, monitoring for uh, you know unusual movement in a line for reasons that might not add up or make sense. Like these books, they ha- they've hired some really talented people uh, to catch this stuff, but it's still a little bit of an issue. Um, and they there it's needs to, there it's needs to be, be a issues. uniform set of rules, I think, at some point around all of this. But um, like anything else, when there's change of this magnitude of something that's that was already a, a, a you know multi billion dollar business. You know, on, you know, on the black market, if you will, before they legalized this thing. Of course, it was always going to be a massive shift and a lot of discomfort for a lot of people. And there's going to be the, the ramifications of a lot of people that, that end up with gambling addiction and gambling problems and uh, foreclosed houses and things like that. Like Thousand That stuff's percent. going to happen. thousand percent. It's going to happen. Um, but at the same time. I hope not, but. It, it has, you're a thousand percent right. But, I mean, it ha- well, right, but it has created a lot of jobs. You know, it has yes. brought in a lot of revenue for states. And Kyle, I want to know one question that's completely off sports okay we got time yeah of course i'm nervous though what you got 
I want to know what you think about Ukraine and Russia. About what? Ukraine and Russia. I don't have any strong thoughts. Okay, good. I don't have any strong thoughts. I just right I think it's so interesting because my my one of my best friends I grew up with he's married to a Ukrainian woman and her family's still all there in Kiev and outside of Kiev and he told me he's like dude they're not even that worried about it like people in Ukraine aren't even like tripping like that I'm like what hold on okay no we we can revisit that next week I honestly um I, I've actually I queued up a podcast it's funny you said that earlier today. Um, with a perspective on that that I wanted to listen to. So ask me again about that this time next week. I've Boom. Actually, Dude, I've been, I'll write I've been, it down. I've been looking at uh, Stephen Breyer, the Supreme Court Justice, the uh, progressive just, liberal just, Supreme, uh, that, that just, just announced down. his retirement. And uh, now it looks, it looks like Joe Biden is going to appoint a new Supreme Court justice. And At least they're all playing the game. Well, now. and he's getting teed off on because he has a pledge to nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he's, of course, the other side of the aisle is uh, absolutely lighting him up for that. And we have an ongoing conversation simultaneously about affirmative action. That's been challenged now in the courts again. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that that's a fight. I mean, there, I saw it earlier um, in previous administrations. Uh, going back to maybe Reagan, if I'm not mistaken, I'll double check if I can. But uh, basically, the vote to nominate Supreme Court justices in the 80s and 90s, uh, maybe once or twice, was absolutely unanimous on both sides of the aisle or overwhelming in certain cases. I forget mm-hmm. the exact number, 93 to 6 or, you know, overwhelming, you know, support, no fi- no fighting. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Over, over it was like for real. Yeah. And now it's just a, a, an opposition vote along party lines. And it's the most infantile juvenile um pathetic excuse for a federal government that i've ever fucking seen in my life i mean it, it's <laughs> turned into nothing but grandstanding and conspiracy theories and uh pseudoscience and i mean we have literal children and grifters and morons who don't and i'm gonna pick him out because i, I just still can't believe it like tommy tuberville's in the united <laughs> states senate and he didn't know what the three branches of fucking government were when he when he first took the job um I just, I mean, I think Alex Ocasio-Cortez actually had a similar gaffe not that long ago or when she first burst on the scene, too. But, like, overall, yes, it, it is, um, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And it's this, this, these culture wars and this identity, and not just the nonstop identity politics. I'm so sick of these people. I'm so <laughs> fucking tired of these people, these snakes, career politicians, I, I'm looking forward to it, Kyle, and the fact that... This incestuous D.C. media political machine that's just revolving door of lobbyist, network news, politician. Lobbyist, network news, politician. They all just rotate between three different jobs, and it's just one big nasty incestuous deal. I mean, you got all these prep schools in D.C. and, and Maryland that you know spit out all of the next crop of senators and congressmen it's gross i mean the whole thing and i know there are some good people up there but that's why i love that's why i ask you these questions Kyle, because i know i'm gonna get the, i'm gonna get it out of you i'm just i hate it so much i hate it i do and like this whole the whole country is just fuck we, we just outrage is our newest well, not the newest it's our, it's our most prized addiction our, our the the addiction that we need to feed the most right now is outrage that's why these Facebook and Twitter algorithms are the way they are. They're intended to keep feeding people the shit that pisses them off and that engages with it, and people keep falling for it. It's crazy because I don't, I don't Facebook. So Joe Rogan said what? Who gives a shit? I've been listening to <laughs> Joe Rogan for like eight, ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, think I, Joe is, to Joe I think Joe is great on some stuff, and I think Joe's a fucking moron on some stuff. I've always felt that way about the guy. Joe Rogan, I get it. He, he has a big audience. I think he averages 11 million downloads per episode, and he has talked to some kooks on his show. He has, he has absolutely stepped in shit, misrepresented information, no doubt. But he's also been right about some things. That episode he did with um, uh, Sanjay Gupta from CNN, where he got Sanjay Gupta to basically admit that CNN completely lied and made up the whole story about him using ivermectin and horse paste and using horse tranquilizer and uh, this, that, and the other. He got a prescription. It was um, ivermectin used for river blindness, treatment of river blindness for 50 years. It won a Nobel Prize back in the day, and um, you know that's what he was using. Not that it matters because ivermectin is still you know, not the prescribed treatment for, for COVID-19. But why are you lying about it? Like, why would CNN go out of its way to craft this ridiculous story about something that wasn't true? Right. So, you know, it was a really interesting conversation he had with Goop. The point being, everybody's pissed off. Everybody wants to be mad about something. And Joe Rogan is like the new hot thing on the Internet. Did you see what this mouth-breathing knuckle-dragging fuckwad just said today? (laughs) How did they even put that together? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I just... I'm sometimes completely disenchanted and, and like feel like human, humanity is a lost cause because people just 
there's no context. There's no nuance. Like no one, everything's got to be a hard take, a hot take. A, I sound like instead, an old man instead right of now. just telling the news, just talk about it. Just tell me the news. Give me the information. I'll do it. I'll do what I want to with it. There it is. And if you want to be entertaining, that's fine. But don't make shit up. I, that is, I don't like, I don't like fake stuff, fake news. I guess. Right? Ima- like, I, I, I imagine your daily routine being to settle in at night and to watch. Cable news primetime programming. Some combination of Hannity, Tucker Carlson. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, who's the blonde? Um, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, I'll come back to it. Uh, late night blonde. Fox I news. Someone. Yeah, I'll come back to it. Uh, but on the other, Rachel Maddow. I mean, I, I can't. You know, the, the way that uh, now, of course, I can't watch him either. He's fired now. But watching Cuomo just, I mean, I just, I rate. Just railing into a camera, you know, for three hours. Who watches that? Like, who's whose idea of a good time is that? I don't know. Right? Not, not mine. I, I just can't, man. That's so unhealthy for people, and I cannot believe. You know who there I could watch who though? I, the Eleventh Hour with Brian Williams. It's a helicopter. Is that what? Yeah, the story he made up that uh, he was shot at in a helicopter. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I got him fired from NBC. Yeah, <laughs> he pulled a Dan Rather. Like, I think Dan Rather's a nice guy for like for the most part, an honorable guy, but. Um, yeah, he, he was I think sometimes, man, they just do. They get up there. They, they he start believing caught. he got they, busted. They start believing their own hype. dog. Yep. And you can't you can't erase that one. You can't white out that one. People no, are always going to let you hear about it for the rest of your life. So, no, I, I just can't, man. Like, I, I try to stay as, you know, up to date and informed with all the important stuff. But I, I'm not fighting with people anymore about covid, about vaccines, about uh, stolen elections. I agree. Uh, I'm not doing that shit. anymore. It is. It, it's a little. <laughs> First of all, back to the Supreme Court thing. I, I would love for Joe Biden to nominate the first African-American woman to be up there. They already have one African-American male. He was the first, and he's ultra, ultra. The Roman, it shouldn't be about skin color. It should be about who's best for the job. Yeah, and maybe she is, though. <laughs> it's an opinion and a side that, of, a, of a situation in this world, that in this country that we don't have, and that there's never been that side of an opinion up there. I think it's healthy. To have male and female in the Supreme Court, um, skin color wasn't an issue when Trump no- nominated the last. What was her name? Well, uh, oh, Amy fe- Coney Barrett. Yeah, yeah, Amy. Nobody talked about skin color then. Right when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Right. right. So, right. Like, I just hate when they any they only it only is an argument when it fits their narrative, and that comes when sports players talk about anything, whatever their opinion is, it's their, they're allowed to have their opinion. But people want to try and jump on them, and I'm like, it's their opinion. That's the best thing about this country is that you're allowed to have that, the, the right to your own freedoms and ways of speech and, and, and thought processes. And it's, it's just weird when people want to argue about anything, like anything. And maybe she is the best person for the job. I can't wait to see how it goes. And well, I think it would be a big win <laughs> For, for the African-American community and also young women of African-American descent that see that for the first time. I think that, that changes things. I, I, don't, I don't live in that world. Um, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawmaker. So I don't pretend to know things that I don't know. But uh, I am generally aware of there being a lot of black women who have graduated from law school and gone on to be <laughs> judges and prosecutors and work their way up, you know, and probably are quite qualified for this job, right? So right. Um, if your objection is to, hey, this should be about, you know, merit and who's best for the job and not skin color. Well, yeah, perfect world. You're absolutely right. You know, but the fact that there's never been a black woman on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, but Sonia Sotomayor. Yeah, she's an Hispanic woman. Right. That's different. They're not the same thing. I don't know if you they're not. That. I don't know if you knew that or not. But they're not the same thing. <laughs> they're not. Um, and that's uh, yeah. It, you know, representation does matter in a lot of different walks of life. And I think the Supreme Court's another example of that. And yes, in, in the in the sentiment of it should be the best person for the job. Yeah. It should be, but when one class of individual um, has never been represented right. and there are qualified members yes. of that segment of society, what's wrong with addressing that? I, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Make sure that person is qualified for the job. Thousand awesome. percent. Fantastic. That's great. Thousand so long as you've got a qualified person for the job and you vet that person, I'm fine. But the, the larger problem, like I said, is um, you know th- this is going to be a party line vote. It'll be a cat fight. It'll be something <laughs> stupid. Um, and it will be an embarrassment to uh, what was once a great government here in the United States um, and is instead po- polluted and populated now by career politicians and uh, opportunists and idiots that have no business anywhere near governance, man. Um, are, have you seen do – you do you, have you paid attention at all to this kid, Madison Cawthorn, from Western North Carolina – in the wheelchair. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I'm, I'm hearing that Let me he tell might. You something. This guy, this this kid has become something of a uh, um, uh, an alt right rock star. <laughs> really? But it didn't take much for people to tear apart this kid's story, man. Um, and how much he's lied about. He was never accepted to the Naval Academy. He told the story that you know, the, the crash that took his ability to walk, it took his legs, you know, also kept him from going to the Naval Academy. It wasn't true. He never got appointed to the Naval Academy. Really? In fact, he was rejected, as I understand it. I said that uh, he's, he was training for the Paralympics before entering politics. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. That's like me saying I've been training for the Olympics all along. I mean, I could say it all I want to. I could run some laps. It doesn't make it true. I mean, the Paralympians have spoken out and said this kid's lying and it's insulting that he would say things like that. He said that in that crash that took his legs, that his best friend who was with him left him for dead, right? Well, his best friend says that is an absolute lie, and apparently there are receipts to show that that was not true, that, in fact, his best friend went back to help him and didn't leave him for dead, none of those things. Uh, he's, got, he's getting divorced recently, not to get with the, the you know, Bravo type of Real Housewives bullshit, but, like, there's a, a story about the, the divorce he's going through and where he met his wife in Russia, in St. Petersburg, on a gambling boat. But gambling's not allowed in Russia. And what? <laughs> a, some of the what, but I mean, like everything about this guy's story, and then you start getting into the accusations of sexual harassment, even some sexual assault instances, things like that. I mean, these look at our government. Like we used to have, and look, there were always bad people in government. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there have yeah. always been terrible people in the federal government. Like we used to have actual statesmen, you know, and and enough of them that they controlled, or or at least were able to keep under control, uh, a semblance of civilized government that did things and got things done. And we just ha- we don't have that. We, I, don't, I don't know if we, we're going to get that back. I, I'm not sure how we get that back. I don't either. It seems pretty scary. I don't know how we get that back, man. I really don't. And I, I, not, not to, to get too pessimistic here, but like, where's that coming from? Like, who, who, how, do we, how do we root these people out of the D.C.? The last guy promised to, to drain the swamp. He brought more of them in. Um, <laughs> it's still just a nasty swamp up there. Oh. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. It's just bad. Yeah, man. It's still an awful place to be right now. Everybody walks around D.C. like they're the most important dude in the city. You ever notice that? No, because I don't go up there. I don't either. Not very often, but the few times I do go, it's everybody up there is walking around the three-piece suit looking like the most important son of a bitch on the side. I got to call my boy. I got to call my boy Dante Stallworth. He lives up there. I got to ask him, like, yeah. Like, he lives right there in the heart of it, too. Like, right by the White House. Mm. And I'm like, what's it like up there every day, bro? Just in that. Just because they all go out there to eat. They all are right there. Uh, after they meet and then they all go get drinks and everybody, all of them, all those politicians and things like that, they're all doing stuff, trying to work deals late, I guess. But it is weird, Kyle. It doesn't seem like we're getting anything done. And you're right. And they're also, they're looking at, um, I I saw that the other day, was that they're actually looking in a way to not allow Cawthorn to uh, run again. Oh, yeah. Because He's trying to run in a new district. How do they, like, what is that? Gerrymandering, that's how. I'm like, what is that? Like, how do... And look, and I, I don't like the both sides things when it's not necessary to both sides things, but truth is, um, yeah, I think one side does it worse than the other, but, I mean, Democrats have gerrymandered the shit out of some districts, too. So, I mean, that needs to be pointed out. But the South is where gerrymandering is the absolute worst. <laughs> I mean, in the South, you will not find more, ger- like, worse gerrymandered districts than you do in the South, and there's yes. a reason for that. But, um, no, nah, man, it's... Uh, it, the, the, the election's over... But there's another one coming up, and we're in 2022 now, and the midterm elections are 10 months away, and it's going to be miserable, miserable. I, the only thing that scares me, Kyle, is how, how many people are talking about our, our voting accessibility and our voting the right to vote. Well, you and I talked about Saban and, and uh, the letter he signed last week, right? Yes. Been protests. You see the protests last week and this Where? week? Uh, all over the place. Hmm. All over the place. Um, there was one I know in West Virginia, I think at the State House, maybe, where some people got arrested, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, somewhere else, too. But, yeah, this, this voting rights thing is... Um, well, and it's also scary when people are saying, well, what's, you know, what, like, if it's not found illegal, like, how do we keep saying, where are these votes coming from, right? Like, do, we just not going to trust anything unless we see it. Our, like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't this, understand. This is, this and I know we a, don't. This, this is a whole thing. Um, yeah, th- this is a whole conversation. But like, there are like we. So about all last, I can do is control my own. Sure, there, I mean, there, there are states that automatically, like Colorado. Colorado automatically does and has sent out mail-in ballots to every citizen in Colorado. Right. Correct. I believe that should be a, a uniform policy across the United States. I believe every state should do that. Um, it is better for everyone collectively 
if everyone is engaged in voting. It doesn't always benefit these political parties, and especially when you drill down to certain states, certain regions, certain cities, certain towns. That's why you get gerrymandering, right? And it, it's why you have these things that you have. But, um, you know, there are after what happened in 2020 and the conspiracies and the fact that among some people, a lot of people, quite frankly, that shit still won't die. Um, you got the news story now that uh, a lot of the folks that felt like the election was stolen have been gobbling up local seats on election commissions and are that they've been grassroots organizing and coordinating yes. to position these people in election commission seats so that they are directly overseeing the uh, the vote tabulation process. And w- between that and the fight for the voting rights bill, Got people on the left, uh, you know, pretty fired up right now and afraid that a lot of people are going to be disenfranchised. Now, the other side will tell you, uh, they'll ask you, you show me where anybody has less access to vote, you know, so on and so forth. You know, you can stand in line to do this, that, and the other. You can stand in line to vote. Well, I don't mind standing in line to vote. I mean, I, I never have really minded it. But at the same time, I think it should be a lot more convenient. I think in 2022, we should have solved our voting issues by now. Right, right, right. I, I don't think we should be doing things the same way that we've always done things when, when it comes to elections. So, yeah, and then with the issues of, of voting machines and you know, proprietary software and, and rigging elections, well, I, who, I, I think we've known that that was possible or coming for a long freaking time. Right. And quite frankly... Well, that's why they, they said it was always so much harder because to actually... Like rig an election, it had to happen at so many different levels, right? They all had to be in step because you have the local electors that count, then they get the numbers and then they bring it to the other one and then that goes to that. And so the counts all have to be where they're at and going through. And you have to literally have every single piece in step in line to be able to pull that off. Well, they they have to be able to be audited, right? And so there are and have been accusations of – you know, code and software that was written to erase it or to tamper with the tabulation or the audit system or I don't know. It's it's above my head. I don't do way that above my head. Conceptually, I do understand it, but I don't know how it's done. And I, it's but it's it's out of our hands. None of us can control that because the average person wouldn't even know how to identify. It doesn't even has a hard time following along with the concept or the conversation of what actually has been done there. So, of course, it's easy to buy into a conspiracy about it because you already don't understand it. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, hey. This happened. Trust me. This happened. Well, I mean, now we're, I, I can't. I shudder to think what the next ones are going to be like, you know, with, with uh, the hysteria and, and just the hawkishness around these voting machines <laughs> and, you know, uh, accusations of cheating. And look, it's not just president. I mean, it's happened at, at the gubernatorial level. It's happened, you know, at the Senate level, the local level, you know, accusations of these things. So look at you. you you've ruined my time here because you made me talk about <laughs> politics at the end of a show where we were talking I, I, football. I, I was about Russia and Ukraine, bro. You went here. No, you, you're right. You're, you're probably right. You know what? Let's end on a good note. We're watching basketball inside the NBA zone. LaMelo and, Le- and LeBron tomorrow night in Charlotte. I got to go get some sleep because I'm pumped for this. Dude, you should be pumped. LeBron is resting tonight. They lost to Philadelphia 76ers. And at the end of the day, LeBron's going to be ready to come in here and put on a show in front of Jordan. He'll probably be in the building, I'm sure. And uh, it should be fun. I can't wait to watch it. I'm not going. I'm kind of disappointed in my Lakers right now, but I'm a Laker child die anyways. All right, I'm going to go watch the taste of this politics and talk out of my mouth. I'll uh, we'll, we'll Go watch it. Ozarks, man. I'm going to. We'll do it next week. Uh, until then, for Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Uh, work hard. Be nice to each other.